Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. Let's start together with a word of prayer, just asking for the Lord's help in this. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be in this room together to worship you and to open your word. And uh, as we talk about sin, God, I know, at least for me and probably for my friends, the tendency when we talk about things like this is to think about other people and to neglect thinking about myself. And so I just pray for us that you would open our hearts this morning that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit, that you would draw us to you, that you would change our lives so you can use us in this world for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in our Disordered Desires series. We're in week two. Last week, Aaron opened us up uh, with a great word on pride And we're going to continue on this morning, but I wanted to start this morning by talking about uh, fighting for our lives. And when it comes to sin, really, that's what we're talking about. Before we know Jesus, sin is the thing that separates us from God, and it literally kills us in our spiritual life. And even when we come to know Jesus through his power and drawing us to himself, There's a danger that our sin will draw us away from his desire for us. And so I want to start and just lay a foundation with these words from Jesus that we find in John. And these might be familiar words to you, but I think for this series, as we go forward, it lays a great foundation. Let me just read them through a couple times. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it to the full. So I just think about that, like I'm always thinking, I don't know why in terms of paths, but I just think if there's this path that leads this way, and this is where the enemy is, and this is where the enemy wants us to go. And there's this side where the Lord wants to take us, and it's this life that's full. It's this life that's good. It's this life that's built around relationship with Him. It's built around trusting Him with all things in our life, that He will give us what He wants us to have, that He will lead us where He wants us to go, and that going to those places are going to be good. They're going to fill us with joy and peace and all that He has for us. The problem is, it would be really easy if, like, this road was dark and ugly and scary looking, and this road was beautiful and easy, but oftentimes it's almost the opposite, right? The way the devil wants us to go, the enemy looks very pretty. We desire what we see, and sometimes the way the Lord wants us to go looks rather hard and difficult. 
And so it's not always easy to discern which way we want to go, but I think we would all say, like, if we could just easily choose, we would choose the way that leads to life, not the way that leads to death. But when we talk about the choices we make and when it comes to sin and where we are drawn through our sin, this is the foundation that we have. Where are we going to go? Which way are we going to go? What are we going to give in to? Are we going to trust the words of Jesus? Are we going to go our own way? And so as we think about envy today and we think about the other sins that we'll be talking about in the following weeks, I just want this to be the image in our mind as the sins are leading us down a really dangerous path that leads to really hard things. No matter how good they look, no matter how often the world tells us those are the things we should want and the things that we need, the challenge in our Christian walk is to trust Jesus. No matter how hard the path looks, no matter how much we desire this, to say, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you, even if it's going to be kind of hard. And in order to win that battle, we need a good plan. In order to have a good plan, we need to be wise. We need wisdom. And James talks a lot about wisdom. That's one of his big things. He loves talking about wisdom. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today from this passage is wisdom. We need it to win. And he starts by asking a really good question in verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? And so I could ask that to you in this room. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I could say like, hey, which one of you all think you're wise and understanding? And I'm sure many of you could raise your hand for a good reason. I think sometimes we would raise our hand and say, I know stuff. I'm pretty wise. Like, I know what the Bible says. I know which way I'm supposed to go. I think I'm pretty wise. But James has a little bit of a different take on this. You'll see. Because next he says, okay, if you think you're wise, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So he's telling us it's not just about what we know. It's not just about knowing the right thing to do. It's not about knowing about the path that God has for us that we can say, I know which way. I know the way to go. What he would say to us if we wanted to raise our hands or if he, we could all just lay our lives out in front of us, how we're living them at the moment, and we could look at them, we could pick people out and say, that person is living the way Christ has asked them to live through good deeds and humility. And so is that person and that person and that person. According to James, those are the people who are wise. They don't just know what to do but are doing it. And so he's going to help us to know both of those things. What should we do and how on earth do we do it? Because it's not easy. So last week we talked about pride. Aaron said that's, pride's kind of the father of all of these sins. And as I understand envy, it's almost like envy's second in command. Envy does like the bidding of pride. And then we get to talk about in the weeks coming up, wrath and lust and gluttony and greed and sloth. That sounds exciting. But it is in a lot of ways because talking about this stuff helps direct us the right direction to find the life that God wants for us. And when we ignore it, when we don't think about it, the things about these sins, is they're not super obvious all the time. We just kind of slide into them. 
And we're way, way down the road sometimes before we realize how far we've gone. And so this morning we're talking about envy. And what I want to do is I want to talk about what is it? Where is it? What's the big deal? Like, what's the problem with envy anyway? And, and what do we do about it? What's the alternative that we have to envy? So that's the plan for this morning. So let's start with what is envy? Well, my definition this morning is envy is discontentment and or resentfulness produced by wanting what belongs to someone else. So those are two important words to remember. Discontentment. Resentfulness. If you're feeling those in your life at any point, I would say there's at least a pretty good chance that you might be dealing with envy. And it's not always easy to recognize that. But when we start to feel like, you know what, what I have is just not good enough. I need more. Or we start realizing there's someone in my life, like, I just don't like them for some reason. I'm starting to resent them. And maybe it's someone you used to like a whole lot. Maybe there's envy at play there. It deals with possessions. When we want something that someone else has, it starts really early. I don't know if you remember, but all you have to do is go over here to the nursery on a Sunday morning, and you might see, there's just a small chance that you might see something like this play out where someone gets more goldfish than someone else, and they try to grab some of their goldfish, and they give them like a little whack or something. We've all done that before because they got more, and that makes me mad, and I want what they had, and no, they won't give it to me, so I'm just going to take it, and they won't give it to me still, so now I'm going to hurt them. That's basically how envy works. It just looks differently as we get older, right? Now as adults or as older teens, we think like we're just like whapping them in our head. We're not going to like actually hit them, hopefully, but we're thinking about it. We'd like to. Or maybe we'll just use our words to hit them. But it has the same effect, or maybe worse. It has to do with position. Like, do people have something, their position? Are they in a place of power that we wish we were in? Did they get the job when we were both applying for the same job and they got it and I didn't? Is it creating this feeling of resentment in your heart? Do they have an advantage that you don't have, that you wish you did? Feels unfair. Is there something about them, an attribute? Like maybe it's just something physical, like they have this look about them that I wish I had, or they're really good at something that I wish I was good at, and I'm just not. Or like they could eat a dozen donuts and not put on any weight. I wish I could do that. Or maybe it's a relationship. I remember being in middle school and thinking, like, there were some girls that I liked. And some of those girls that I liked, liked other guys besides me. And so then I all of a sudden didn't like those guys that the girls liked. That's envy. That's, I mean, it plays out all the way up in all kinds of different ways. And it gets more serious sometimes. And we do worse things because of it sometimes. And there's this progression that we have. And these words are words that we see... Oftentimes they show up all in the same place when we're reading about this in Scripture. But this is the way that I kind of understand at least the progression that they play in my own life. Is we talked about pride. That's basically when we say my needs and my wants are the most important. They're more important than anyone else's. And that can lead to jealousy or coveting. 
where we're just saying, I want what they have. I'm most important, I want what they have. And then that leads to envy, which says, I deserve something more than they deserve it. They've got it, but I actually deserve it more. Which takes us to selfish ambition. It's like envy in action, which says, I'm going to get it. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it. Even if that leads to me doing really bad things that I know are wrong, that gets me what I want, I feel justified in that. It's more than just wanting something. Wanting things is not all that bad. Like we have good gifts in our life that God's given us. Having a nice house for our family, having a car to drive that gets us where we need to go, even a nice one is okay. Having a great education, all those things are good. But when we become obsessed, when we're focusing on what other people have instead of what on God has given us, when it leads us to sacrifice important things in our life to try to get those things, that's where it gets really dangerous. And so that's what envy is. That's our working definition today. So where is envy? That's a good question. Where isn't envy? Might be a better question. I feel like it shows up pretty much everywhere. Let's look at the Bible for a moment. And I was reading through Genesis, just looking through like the list of stories that we see in Genesis. And let's just, this is, these aren't all Genesis, but I was like, oh my goodness, Genesis, almost every single story in Genesis has to do with envy. Let's just read through this list really quick and just think about these. If you know these stories, think about how envy shows up. We have Adam and Eve, envious of God. We have Cain and Abel, Sarai and Hagar, Jacob and Esau, Rachel and Leah, Joseph and his brothers, Saul and David, David and Bathsheba, Haman and Mordecai, King Darius and Daniel, King Herod and Jesus, the disciples with each other, the religious leaders and Jesus. And it goes on and on. You all could come up with a whole much longer list than I have there. And the crazy thing is when you look at this list, the large majority of these went so far as to lead to either murder, somebody being killed, or somebody wanting to murder somebody else. And all kinds of other things in between. Just treating each other poorly. Hatred, jealousy, all of that shows up because of envy. In fact, the 10th commandment tells us do not covet what others have. It's important and it's a heart issue. It starts inside and just like starts messing things up in there and it starts making its way out into how we think and how we talk and how we treat other people because our heart's been grabbed by this envy and this desire for things that aren't ours. So let's think about our own lives. We see scripture, okay, that's good. We've got all these stories about envy. How about, how about our own lives? And as I read through this list, I'm going to ask you to do a little exercise and don't think about other people, but just think about yourself. And you might have to think back. You can think all the way back to childhood if you want, but it's going to be more helpful if you think about right now in your life if envy might show up. The Lord will help reveal it to you in one of these places, but I think these are all places where it shows up. It shows up in our families. Siblings especially, I feel like. And not just when you're kids, but even when we're adults shows up in our friendships, at school, on our sports teams, or the activities we're involved in, at work, with our neighbors, where we live, 
It even shows up in church. Do you believe it? Would you believe that churches are envious of each other? Sometimes we talk poorly about other churches because they've got something going that we wish we had going or they're having better success than we feel like we're having. And so we have this attitude of like, they must be doing it the wrong way and we must be doing it the right way. And I don't know, for some reason, God's blessing them in that way. But it's just where our heart goes. It's so natural for us to go that way when someone has something that we wish we had. So think about that situation in your own life as we move forward through the rest of our time. What's the big deal? We know what it is. We know where it shows up. What's the big deal? Let's read some more of what James says. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Okay, let's stop right there. It's important enough, it's a big enough deal that he right from the start wants to say, if you have it, which you probably do, it's a good idea to admit it, to realize it. Don't deny it. Don't deny the truth. And for goodness sake, don't boast about it. This is not something to be proud of. But what we need to do is just say, Lord, reveal to me where I might struggle with this and help me. Help me to see it. Help me to have a desire to do something about it. Okay, so if you have envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, he says, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. That's a big deal. This isn't just some little thing that we deal with. It's not just some minor issue that we have in our faith life. I like that he puts wisdom in parentheses because this isn't real wisdom, but it's the wisdom of our world. Our world runs on envy. We make money by convincing people they don't have enough, that they need stuff that other people have. It's just the way our world works. It's common for us to hear that, to see that, to have people around us thinking that way, talking that way. So he says this wisdom, this false wisdom is earthly, it's unspiritual. It's not from God. In fact, it's demonic. Demons are envious of Jesus. That's the whole point. That's why the enemy is trying to seek and kill and destroy everything that the Lord is doing in your life to bring you peace and joy and happiness and fullness and to use you in this world for the growth of his kingdom because there's envy there. We're reminded here that when we're acting selfishly, we're choosing this path. Maybe we don't even realize it, but we start walking and going somewhere that eventually we're going to realize we really didn't want to be here. That's not the way we wanted to go. And so we recognize it, we admit it, we repent, and we try to move forward with the Lord's help. And then he goes on to say, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. That's another big statement. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, you're going to find every other evil practice. Again, pride leads to envy, and it's like envy just opens the door. If pride opens the door, like cracks it open and envy slips through, it's like envy opens the garage door and like all the bad stuff 
starts pouring out. There's a bunch of lists in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, but you see them all over, of, of vices, of sins, especially long lists. You find them in, in Galatians 5 or Romans 1, of all these things that we're not supposed to do. When we're living in the flesh, that's what we do. When we're living like the world, these are the things that we do. I see them in my own life, and I've seen them in my past. And let me just give you a small list, and this is just a small collection from all these different places. When we have envy and selfish ambition, you will start to see lying, stealing, manipulation, cheating, hatred, anger, insults, gossip, discord, violence, murder, and much, much more. In fact, in Romans 1, Paul has this long list, but the very first one he lists is envy. It's at the top of the list. And when you think about that list, they have nothing to do with the purpose that God put us on this earth for. To love him with all that we are. And to love those around us the way that he loves us. Not one thing on that list is going to lead you in that direction. It's going to take you the opposite way. Part of the problem is when we have this obsession or desire for something where we're not content oftentimes we can sacrifice really important things on the altar of envy. We can give up our families. We can give up our calling of what the Lord's asked us to do because we're so focused on getting this thing that we've realized someone else has and I'm going to put all my time and all my energy into getting this thing I'm so obsessed with. It doesn't just hurt us. We kind of think envy is like the secret sin that we just have in our heart. We can kind of cover it up. It doesn't really affect anybody else, but in fact, it affects everybody around us. It affects our whole society. It just starts tearing things down when we all act like that. Instead of unity, we have division. So I think about sin, and I think about what I just said, about God's desire for us to love him, and to love those around us. And we think about sin, and I would just define it this way. Sin is missing the mark of loving God and loving others. If what we're meant to do, if our whole and sole purpose in life is to love God and love others, sin takes us away from that. It makes us miss the target. And it does it in two specific ways, especially when we think about envy. I mentioned these before, but envy leads us to resent those who we're meant to love. Now, this may be hard to believe, but there's not one person that you struggle with that you envy for whatever reason that God doesn't love. There's not one person that you envy that God doesn't want you to love. And so when we let envy turn to resentment and all of a sudden, like, envy just creates enemies quickly, very quickly, It's breaking down what we're meant to be, who we're meant to be, what we're meant to do in this world. I'm going to give you a couple examples here, especially of creating enemies quickly. And these might seem silly to you, but they're just from my own life. I'm not even a car guy. Like, I'm not someone that loves cars or I think about cars all the time or anything like that. But for some reason... I don't even know why. This doesn't make sense to me. Someone will pull up in a really nice car next to me at a light. 
And especially if it's someone younger than me, and especially if it's another guy, I don't know, for some reason, I just look over, I'm like, what a jerk. <laughs> like, that guy's probably so full of himself. And I think, like, what is wrong with me? That guy's probably, like, super nice. I don't know. I don't know anything about him. But, like, I'm like, that must be envy. Like, why else? I'm just, I'm envious of the car that this person's driving. I'm not even a car person, and I'm envious of this person's car. And I start, like, immediately, in a split second, I start thinking negative things about someone that Jesus loves. It's in the car next to me. I should be saying, like, God bless you. Have a great day. Jesus loves you. Wow. And sometimes I get envious on behalf of my own kids. Okay, parents, you probably have done this, okay? One example. One of my boys ran track in high school. He was a hurdler. And he was really good, but there was one particular kid that, like, almost always beat him in the hurdles. And I was, like, thinking all the time, sitting in the stands, Here's Mr. Youth Pastor Dad over here thinking, I hate that kid. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Like that kid, again, he's probably like super nice. And I think we feel like we're supposed to teach our kids a lesson. Like this is how you're supposed to follow Jesus. Do as I do. And I'm finding in my own life so often it's my kids teaching me the lessons, because I remember my son at one point coming to me, I think after a track meet and saying, hey, like I met, I finally met this guy. Like he's pretty cool. You know, we see, they see each other like at all the meets. I'm thinking, don't talk to him. Like he's the enemy. You know what I mean? But it's like, okay, that's envy. That's envy at work right there. We don't just, we're not just envious for our own stuff. We're envious for our kids' stuff and for our church's stuff and for all of our people's stuff. It just, it just happens so quickly. And then envy not only makes us resent people, it doesn't make us just make enemies quickly. It makes us discontent with what God's given us. The same son I was just talking about was t- telling me this week about this, this kind of prayer. I can't remember what he called it, but it, it's really a kind of prayer of contentment where you would say something like, you're sitting down to a nice dinner and you would say, Lord, I'm so thankful for the steak dinner that I'm about to eat. But bread and butter would have been enough. I'm so thankful for this nice car that I get to drive, but just anything that would get me from here to there would be enough. And we think about the blessings, when you start thinking that way, you start thinking like, wow, the Lord has actually given me way more than I need. He's given me way more than I need to survive. He's blessed us. And we start feeling a sense of contentment when we do that, when we pray that way. Otherwise, I think of us as like, Kids, maybe you've seen the videos online or maybe it was your own kids or maybe it was you when you were young, but like the whole Christmas thing where you open your present, your, your parents like thought about, oh, the thing that they, my kid's going to love this so much. This is going to be perfect. And they open it and they're like, cool. And then their older sibling or younger sibling opens their gift and the first one's just like throws it on the floor, what they just got. And they're like, I wanted that. 
Like they're, they're so unhappy with what they just got and they start throwing a fit or they break it or they steal it or whatever it may be. Envy at work with our little kids' hearts. I think we do that all the time. As adult Christians, we drop what it is, the blessings that God's given us and say, I, I don't want what you just gave me. I want that. I want what they have. I'm not content with how you've blessed me. I want the way that you've blessed somebody else. And I just think like, I know as a dad, like what that would do to my heart if my kids acted that way. And I just think, what does that do to our Father's heart in heaven? When we're constantly looking at the things he's given other people or the things they just have, they've gotten for themselves, and yet it makes us discontent with the way that he's blessed us on our own lives. All right. So that's why it's a big deal. I mean, it ruins a lot of things. It hurts people, us and others. It creates enemies. It makes us discontent. I think hopefully we can agree those aren't good things. So what do we do about it? What's the alternative? Well, he gives us an idea here. James says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven, okay, not the wisdom of the earth, but the real wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's a good list. That's a really good list. And it starts with this. It's first of all pure. It speaks to our motivations. It's wanting what God wants. It's being thankful for what he's given us. Even if we want stuff in this world, it's wanting it for the right reasons. To provide goodness, to, to, to work for God's kingdom, and we, and we get it in thankfulness. Our heart's always thankful towards God and our eyes on him in the midst of enjoying those good gifts instead of an envy. These are the kind of things I want to see in my own life. I want to be peace-loving and considerate, submissive and full of mercy, having good fruit, being impartial and sincere. If you think about the other things walking us away from God's desire for our life, this list clearly walks us towards it. Living this way is taking us down this path that leads to life. So if your thoughts and your words and your actions are leading you to division, to resentfulness, to not be content, you know you're walking the wrong path. You know you're struggling with envy, and the Lord wants to help us with that. And so here's just a couple things to end that I think we can do. Hopefully these are, in my mind, like the kryptonite to envy. These are the things that help us fight well against the enemy as he wants to draw us away. And the first is being content. And it takes practice to be content. It's not easy. But just to thank God, look around, make a list. People talk about thankful or gratitude journals or just ways to say as you get up every morning, like, I'm going to say three things that I'm thankful for before I get out of bed to the Lord. When I get in my car, I want to say, Lord, at least I got something that gets me where I'm going most days. And even if it doesn't, you, I got friends that you've given me that will give me a ride. I mean, I'm okay. And I'm thankful for how you've provided. But the more content we can be, the more 
just intentional we can be at naming the things and the blessings that God's given us, the farther envy is going to be from our mind. It's just the way it works. And the second is celebration. And you're probably thinking, like, what does that even mean? I get contentment, but celebration? What if you could celebrate others being blessed in the ways that you wish you were being blessed? I see it on athletic fields all the time. I'm like, man, that's what it's supposed to look like, where sometimes it's like they're mad at each other and it's terrible. Other times someone gets beat and they have a great handshake and hug and and kind words in the middle of the field with each other. And they can celebrate like, wow, that guy's amazing. Can't believe how good he is at hurdling. I wish I was that good. But I'm going to celebrate the good gift that God's given this other person, even if it's not the one he gave me, or at least mine's not where I wish it was at the moment. My other son has helped me with this one. He played college soccer, and he had a dream to play professional soccer, and he tried, and he thought he was having some breaks, and they just never came the way he wanted them to. And other of his teammates from college got some of those breaks and they've gone places I think in his heart he's like I wish I would have gone there but I think he's you know he's got enough wisdom to know even in this sense that he's trusting the Lord and we're in my heart I'm like you know the envious dad again like I wish this was for you like sometimes I feel like oh you deserve it more than they did it's fun to see when I get on you know one of them gets offered a contract and I get on Instagram and and my son's posting a picture of them and celebrating their accomplishments. Even though I know in his heart, like, he longs for that too. And I think that's, God, that's how God wants us to be. To thank him for even the blessings of others and the giftings of others. And when we do that, we become more and more content. And it makes us love people that we might otherwise resent and start to hate. And we need to remember the big picture. What it's all about, loving God and loving others. To choose the path that leads to life. And what if, what if in a world that's telling us all to live the envious life, the church of Jesus started to figure it out. We started to lean into contentment. We started pushing away envy and all these other sins, and we started walking the path and letting go of a life that just tears us apart. I think people would notice because it looks very different than the rest of the world. And what if us living that life made them envious in a really good way where they too were willing to give up everything that's drawing them away and long for what we've been given in Jesus? To trust that Jesus is all we have. I remember the song we sang right before this. He, the all in all. In all things, he's all that we need. Everything else is like icing on the cake. If we've got Jesus, we're good. The rest is great bonus. I think that's what being salt and light is all about. Walking the path in gratitude. Letting go of this pull to have all these things that the enemy wants us to go for. And finding freedom to just enjoy life. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy the people he's put in our life and let go of those other things. I think that's when we start to be used in big ways 
and we find joy and peace ourselves. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us what it looked like, Jesus, to live a life of contentment, of trust in your Father. And I pray that even this week, for those of us that struggle, we all probably do in some way, but especially those this morning, that you brought something to our hearts that's pulling us down, that's holding us back, that's hurting a relationship. I pray that you would soften our hearts, help us listen to your Spirit, give us the power to do what you've asked us to do. Make us content. Help us to be thankful and use us to draw people to you. And I just pray over these next several weeks as we continue through this series that you would break things down in us. That you would turn us into the people you want us to be. For your glory and for the good of the world around us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.